June 19th happens to also be Father's Day, so happy for all you fathers out there that may or may not be listening. This is Leather and Limits Episode 3. Joining me is Miss Knox. It's the only time I get to sound innocent. <laughs> only, as on, only as innocent as you want to be. <laughs> and today we are here yep. to talk about all things leather. <laughs> so much fun. I mean, some would say that that might be, you know, long overdue, but that's another whole story. We are long overdue. There's I mean, a double entendre there. This is also very true. <laughs> I mean, I'm not biased or anything. No. <laughs> not at all. Not at all, right? That's I tried awesome. to come up with other topics. I really, really did. Yeah, but there's nothing as sexy. That's just how it works. I mean, okay, this is valid, but I'm also biased, so I was trying to be fair. <laughs> delightfully biased. It's delightfully biased. Right? <laughs> And that's technically exactly part of what we're going to be going over today, because that's exactly the difference in leather versus BDSM. And I think a lot of people don't understand that they're, they overlap, but they are not the same thing. It's It's amazing to me, I think, how many people think that leather is strictly just the wearing of clothes. Right. And like, I tell people, I'm like, I'm a leather fetishist, but I'm also a leather woman. So it's, Mm -hmm. it is different. It is very different. Yeah. And it's understandable that not everyone would know about it too. Because there's, well, it's like like when you talk about leather, especially when seeing it and seeing leather folk for the first time in a play space. I think a lot of people don't understand what they're seeing because you just see, you know, sexy gear, right? Somebody right. looking the part. And so it's you know if they're lucky enough to have a play space, right? Because there's a lot of places in the U.S. where, in the world, where you don't have a play space at all. And no, so absolutely. Like, yeah. So having like any you know external contact, so to speak, and then. All the people that have found kink through COVID, right? They don't know yes. what they don't know. So you're just like, oh, it's a bunch of sexy people covered in leather and head to toe. It's hot, shiny, which it is, you know, and they don't realize that there's actually a deeper meaning behind the articles that they're wearing and how they interact with each other to, to really see it. So it's, I think it's, this is a good topic, I think. It's a good foundation, especially for people that just don't understand what they're seeing. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I will never forget like the number of times I went to either a Eurotique party or, I mean, I know I'm getting back there in some things or a Black Orchid Society party back in Florida Um, when those were still a lot. Well, that was my introduction back in the day. I'm glad they okay. were still around when I was going. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't understand that then. I do now, but I would go to these parties. One of the first ones I attended was after I had become part of a household. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know the significance of that back then because it wasn't something they talked about. It wasn't put on a pedestal the same way because that isn't part of the leather value. That's it's fair. not part of the the virtues and the integrity of what we do. It wasn't, oh, you should be so proud that you're bragging to everyone around you. If anything, that would have gotten me kicked out, <laughs> <laughs> which I would totally understand. Uh, but I would – right. But I would see people that were rubber, leather, vinyl, latex, you know, everything under the sun. And there's people that wear it just because it's fun or because Uh they like it or the way they feel about it. or They just have a fetish about it. And it has Uh nothing to do with anything past that. And I think that's the most important thing to start with for a lot of things is plenty of people wear what they wear because they enjoy it. It has nothing to do with anything more than that. And that's, and that's completely fine. Right. Like, 
That is its own kink. It, it's absolutely, oh, absolutely. its own thing. Look, and I clothes, love leather. I get it. <laughs> absolutely. Well, clothing also helps you feel sexy. And let's be honest, when you're engaging in BDSM, that's what you want, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, when you get dressed, it's like getting dressed to go out to the clubs. It's it's no different. You want to feel sexy, powerful, and all those things. So, you know, leather and vinyl and PVC, all those sexy clothes, that's what helps you get in that mood. Right. You know, I know, I know speaking from, from the woman perspective, that's 95% of how I psych myself up for what I'm going to do that night, you know? Oh, Clothing. yeah. I yeah. spent an unhealthy number of years where the moment I put my cover on and then went to an event and it was this huge thing for me because it was very much like putting my hat on, was oh, putting yeah. my head on before I went mm-hmm. to an event and it changed my entire mentality right away. Yeah, 100%. It's a game changer. Oh, yeah. It's also it's also hard not to emulate that when you see it. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people that that come into things, you know, they want to emulate it because it is cool. It is sexy. It is, you know, all those things. Um, and to me, that's like the sincerest form of flattery. Oh, provided God, yes. Mockery, right. Well, what's the line? Um, imitation is flattery. Impersonation is not essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such an easy thing. And I think that's probably the most important thing more than anything else for people to understand about leather if they've never understood it or thought it was just something that gay people did or any number of the other various myths and legends and, you know, misnomers that happen because they just don't know any better. And that's not their fault. It's not like someone's parading around a sign that says this is how this works. Yeah, it's definitely not a shortcoming, I don't think. No, not I, at And all. I think that for, for leather folk that see it, it's a teachable moment, right? Oh, yes. To just even walk up and engage in those conversations and be like, hey, so I see you're wearing, you know, XYZ. Is there a significance to that? Kind of like you do with collars. Like, hey, is that a play collar? Or are you, do you belong to someone? Right. I think it's, it's the same level of politeness. But it's also a good way, again, to start conversation with somebody that you may not know. And I think that's kind of... <laughs> getting into the, you know, advanced topics here, but it's, I think, kind of our responsibility. Oh, definitely. Not, I don't want to call it leather outreach, but, like, it's kind of, it's one of those, like, when people come into community and they're brand new, they don't know anybody, half half of the people are terrified, right? Oh, Social God, anxiety yes. and everything else. So it's like, if we continue to not approach these people to be welcoming, you become elitist, and that's yeah. not fair. And that's and I think that's why groups get so stagnant. Well, right? and that's that's when you end up getting back to where there's gatekeepers and you know the guys who shut themselves up on their high horse, and that's what they're looked at. And it's part of where the stupid old guard crap comes from too, which absolutely annoys me because there's not really any such thing. <laughs> let's so let's let's use that as our, our starting point there. That's what, a great what is point. That's very true. What is an uh, old <laughs> father? had to didn't you um no it's one of those things where i find it funny because i i entered in after the old guard was long dead and buried technically either and a lot of people don't understand so they still consider like even our generation old guard because we're from back before the 2000s in that sense where kink was a little more old school a little more hokey quiet held at parties you either knew people or you didn't know about you didn't oh, have yeah. fet life. You didn't have any of that. 
you know, you had a couple of Yahoo groups and I was gonna say Yahoo and ICQ. Yeah, all the old school GeoCities, all the terrible, terrible things of the internet circa two thousand. You know, <laughs> CompuServe, etc. Special interest groups as they were called, because you couldn't call them fetish groups or oh, anything never. like it. Or lifestyle, or any number of those things, it didn't exist. You dirty, dirty pervert. Right, uh, and that's exactly what it was. Alt dot sex dot bonded. The old Usenet groups, all of that terrible stuff. But that's all there was. And IRC. Wow. Yeah. That's Even before IRC, technically, but I'm not going to get splitting hairs. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. Again, thanks. You are. <laughs> I, that's only by virtue and accident of my age and nothing more. However, <laughs> but I, I happen to have been lucky to have come in before that universe was dead and I'm blessed. I know I'm blessed and I don't say it to, to put it on a pedestal or wish for the good old days. Like some people will, especially in our particular community yeah. forum, like a lot of Leathermen I've talked to who are our group or even a little younger, will talk about the good old days. I'm like, you don't actually know what the good old days are. Do you? Because there's no such thing. There's different days. But if you want to talk good old days in leather, you have to go almost to the foundation of American kink, which is the old gay leather clubs. And it was gay servicemen and leather that started that, not just random people. And it wasn't even really planned at that junction. No, and I don't think people understand that identifying as a leatherman back then was taboo. No. You only identified yourself to other leather folk. And, yeah. you know, and there was only gay leather. There was no, yeah. I mean, you would not see a woman with a vest on. Nope. You wouldn't see a woman covered, you know, and, you know, and of course by then, you know, God help you if you were, you know, non-binary trans or anything else, because, you know, you didn't get recognized at all. No. Uh, you know. No, unfortunately, but, I mean, mentalities back then were very old school, even amongst the gay community. That was weird. Well, but, I mean, the, the days of identifying with a set of keys on, you know, the left hip or, yeah. you know, and of course that morphed into wearing so many keys, you look like a janitor, like, you know, and, it, and I don't think when you, when you talk about the history of leather, because, you know, Google's a wonderful thing and people can look things up on their own if they're really interested. But I mean, right. when you talk about the evolution of leather, you know, there's a longstanding debate as to how much of that original gay leather culture and just gay culture overlapped and then how that got appropriated by straight leather, you know, or even lesbian leather, because that was, that was very taboo when that initially started. Oh yeah. And there, there's a reason it's still a political mire for people. And I, most people who are not leather will not understand because it's not something you see at, at fetish events of any kind. Like it's not out there. It's amongst our own, and it's kept amongst our own for a variety of reasons. But there is a very notable split, even today, with hetero versus homosexual leather. And they're kept separate politically by a lot of people. Ironically enough, many of them being the old school gay type, unfortunately, where they still feel that it's their purview and the rest of us are all just hanging on and impersonating. Which is a shame, because it shouldn't have to be like that, but... So let me ask your opinion on this, because I, I was recently asked this. I'm, I'm curious to, to find out what you think. What do you think about the hanky code and straights and lesbians using the hanky code? 
I'm in a weird place in this because ironically, the whole reason that I became a member of a household, aside from, you know, the various things that went into it, I was already a pansexual man by the time I hit 19. I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't understand the ramifications of that then. But I knew I looked at men and women differently than most other heterosexual people did um, for purposes of attraction. It was just different for me. So when I entered in and I noticed even we had a couple of gay leather members in our household and they very much were old, old men. They were one of the few that wore eagles on their caps, which it wasn't a recognized thing. And I'll get to that in another point. But it was something that you just accepted. These were uh-huh. the old men and you did not mess with the old men. <laughs> and they liked it that way. Like we were it was the equivalent of children hanging around a king as far as they were concerned. And that's yeah. not what it was at all. But that. Someone once sat down with me not long after I earned my vest and said, listen, you need to understand something about them for your own sake. They Uh came from San Francisco back in the 50s and the 60s when you were more likely to be service and gay and not kinky at all because kink Uh wasn't part of the byword back then. There was no term back then. They didn't call themselves leather or old guard or they were just guys. Yes that like to wear leather together. And it was an unspoken given that this was a thing. Uh You know, there's a reason you can't find good history prior to 1980 about leather and kink, unless you put them all together. And it's because they were not all together and they didn't keep record. No one sat down and wrote memoirs about this in a good, healthy way (laughs) back then. No. Because they would have been destroyed if they did. If anyone had caught a whiff of that, their entire family would have been put to well, exactly. and it was also very regional. Right. Oh, God, yes. It still is today in some ways, just not nearly as bad because we're trying to be a little more sensible for the sake of cohesion. Um, But I still remember being told about things like we honored like cover designations, and that is not even close to a universal thing. No, it's not. And no, it, it's not. In fact, there's a lot of there was a lot of debate on that, too. Oh, yes, there is. Um, there was actually, actually, it was long before I got to FetLife and I just stumbled across it much later. Um, just because I read into these kinds of things Uh back in 2012, there was a huge argument because there was a handful of people who insisted that they were taught that there was meaning to it. And several other people who were definitively leather, as far as their particular group of the community were concerned, who pointed out that their experience says there's no such thing. And there was a little bit of ugliness there. The moderators had to get in. But later on, one of the people who were insisting or pointing out that they didn't have that experience were like, we need you guys to come forward and talk about this because I don't want to judge your experience. But I know that leather, before you get to a certain point, is fractured by nature. And I find it fascinating to find the little things that became popular, even if they did not become nationally recognized, which is a very valid point for me because I'm that way. I know it's not a universal trait. There aren't almost any universal traits amongst leather. But but knowing that, how do you rectify that when you deal with other people who do? Like, how, how do you marry those two? I start by making it a point usually of having a conversation with them about it. Like, hey, you know, which goes back to what we started with. When you see someone clad in leather, it's a great conversation point um, uh-huh. because you're both should be prepared to talk about it, even if it's just a little bit, even if they just say, I like it. 
but someone who's going to go beyond that will have, you know, some kind of depth to what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And that's a relative thing, but at the same time, it's important because it lets us dive into, you know, who did you, who did you bottom for? Who, you know, what were your customs? You know, you can have those conversations with someone else who recognizes what you are once you pass the, the primary parts of that, as long as you're being reasonable and respectful with each other. Um, I have spoken to Leather You better people, be. Right? Oh, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's like the given up front. You might as well stop wasting your time. They're not going to talk to you any further. Anyway. Okay, that's, that would be awkward. And that's that's something we'll get to here in a little bit anyway about <laughs> virtues and values. And there's I wouldn't say there's a list, but there's an unspoken series of values that are taught, but they're not spoken of. They're not listed somewhere. They don't write them down. And a big one is approaching someone with equal respect, regardless of their station, because you don't know that yet. You don't know if the person wearing leather even cares that they're wearing leather. So you don't go up to them and assume anything when you address them. And that them is something, time. I feel like that's something that's very different in regards to kink. Yes. When you talk about, you know, kinksters, right? Because one, again, goes back to them not understanding what they're saying. But when you talk about, you know, people interacting with each other in a public space, there there is a hierarchy or or an imposed hierarchy, shall we say. And within the leather community, it's different. Oh, definitely. You're, you're respecting each other's leather folk. And sure, you're not going to walk up to a covered master and be like, hey, what's up? But not unless you happen to have that relationship already. And even then, you probably wouldn't do it in a setting where other people not in watch. public. Right. No, exactly. No. Yeah. Talk about, yeah, no, that would just be horrible. And that, but that's what I mean is I think, I think people mistake some of those interactions when they see it and assume I can have that same interaction and they don't understand the years that goes into some of these friendships. No, exactly. And that's the primary reason you don't do it. It's not, it's not even that it's disrespect. It's that you don't want other people to get the wrong idea and -hmm. approach you the wrong way and then get upset with them because they did. Yeah. So why wouldn't you take the steps necessary to allow them to see how you expect them to behave by behaving that way with each other in the first place? It goes back to the equivalent of, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. And that's a big part of it. It's a big, big part of it. I don't think people understand how much work goes into identifying as leather or how much work goes into... Like finding a mentor even and getting somebody to accept you to mentor you mm-hmm. and how, how rigorous and strenuous that can be. Like I, I was talking about this yesterday with a really good friend of mine who's also leather folk. And we were talking about um, some folks that we had met over the weekend. And in, in front of a large group, actually, I got approached by a young lady. She's, she's new to leather and New to just even researching it. You know, she's seen right. it. She thinks it's sexy, wants to find a mentor, that kind of a thing. And cold in front of this entire group, she walks up to me and was like, you know, I would love to pick your brain sometime, which I'm always fully open to. And she's right. like, you know, I, I want to hear your experiences. Absolutely. Let's talk about that so we can get you, get you started learning from some, you know, reputable folks and give right. you some good resources, right? And then she instantly in front of, again, probably 20, 30 people, I would like you to mentor me. Oof. And I was like, so <laughs> Oof. That, 
that's like meeting on the first date and saying, Hey, so can we get married? You know, yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, can, I, can I get to know you first and see if one, if we even gel, right? Because to me, and, and I've talked about this before, like when you, when you agree to mentor someone, it's, it's deeper than a friendship. It's deeper than, you know, a casual, Hey, we'll chat once a week and catch up and just bullshit. Like, Mentoring to me is a very serious thing. It's an educational thing, but you're yes. taking responsibility for another person. And like, I can't do that because I met you at a picnic. Right. You know, that's not, that's not going to work. But what I can do is make sure that you're not getting set up for failure and put you in the direction of people that you also need to talk to, to learn from, not just me. You know, it's, I tell people to learn from just one person's never healthy. You know, it's like learning in a vacuum, but when you talk about mentoring someone, these these friendships that get formed are lifelong. You know, oh, the people yes. that I've learned from have been in my life for ten to twelve years now. It's not it's not a spur of the moment thing. No, you know, and, close. And that's the thing is you have to be prepared for that. It is a commitment. You know, yes. even if there's breaks in the education and breaks in the friendship, there's still there's a lifelong commitment there that you're agreeing to that within the leather community is taken extremely seriously because you're putting your name on someone else. And that's, so it's like, you can't just let that slide. No, not at all. And that's, it's the thing I find fascinating because I'll have people who've asked me about, you know, you've been kinky for going on almost 30 years. How do you only have a handful of people you've mentored? Yeah. And I point out, you have to understand two things because what I've done to those that I've taught leather Versus people I've simply teach dominance to, taught, excuse me, my coffee needs to hit me faster. Dominance as a mentorship is a very different animal for me than teaching them how to be a leather top. Mm-hmm. And it's because there's a whole different layer of teaching involved because I'm already right. going to have to teach you how to be a dominant. Right. And those still build friendships and there's still some intimacy there and it's not a casual thing. But if I'm only teaching you that and not the whole shebang, there's a difference in the intensity of what I'm taking the time for because you're not going to care the same way. And I'm okay yep. with that because I recognize they're two entirely different cultures. And I think uh -huh. that's something so many people miss. And it goes back to what we said about the myths and legends. And they just assume it's synonymous when it's not. I will take the yeah. time and mentor someone in dominance anytime that's kinky. And I will go through the rigmarole, and that takes its own work and everything with it. But for someone to approach me as leather and ask to be mentored, it's a different layer of commitment for both of us. And I make sure that they understand that because I'm not just teaching you how to be a dominant. You're going to probably be my bottom for at least a while, six months minimum, most likely, probably yeah. longer. Before I'm satisfied to say you're competent enough that I'm okay with you to not look like a <laughs> schmuck out there because I don't want you saying, oh, so-and-so taught me and then looking like an idiot, which is exactly how, how my household treated things. It wasn't was that you say, weren't allowed. But that, was, no, that brings up a good point. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there because that brings it. up a good point that I don't think people understand within leather culture. You do start on the bottom. And that wasn't always a thing even. That's the no. sad part. That's another thing that, once again, it started more recently in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. It was not just a given all the time. 
Yes, I've, I am finding more and more people come into Leather Lifestyle identifying as a top and expect to be mentored as a top. And, and then that's not how boom, I'm leather. No, yeah. not at all. So, yeah. I've, but no, keep going. I, guess I wanted to point oh, no, that out. 100%. It's an extremely valid point, and it's an important one because I've I've had people who've come up to me and ask about leather as opposed to just kink, and when they've asked to be a top, and I sit down and I'm like, you need to understand how this works because this is the way I was mentored, and I'm going to take take you the same way. And I'm also very upfront about you know, especially with a male who may or may not be hetero as well, I'm not going yeah. to be having sex with you. This is not a sexual relationship. I am not, you know. <laughs> This is not an intimate relationship of that nature. Right. So any of your confusion about that, let me dispel it now. You are going to be my bottom for at least six months or more until I Uh feel you are competent to be recognized as a leather person out in the wild by me as someone I've trained. Well, because wherever they go from there in this day and age could be anything. It could be online. It could be in a local community. It could be on the other side of the ocean for all I know. So I'm going to do the best I can to ensure that the next person you meet in leather who's more than, you know, another person who just likes the cover isn't going to look at you and be like, Jesus, that dude got taught like an idiot. I'm not going to have that. And that's not about being exacting or a perfectionist. It's about making sure they understand what they've walked into as well. And the same thing that applied when I was indoctrinated into the household I was in. I apply to them. You need to recognize that I am at any point you can say you don't want this anymore, that you're not comfortable with this. This isn't your jam. You don't feel right about it. And we can talk about what the next step is, but understand that the next step is also no longer going to be my mentorship as a leather person. You can still be trained in kink and we can talk about that regardless, but you need to understand there's a difference and a separation because I will not put my name in your mentorship, if you are not willing to wait until you are competent to be fully trained. But it is your consent, not up to just me. But they have to be as invested in it as you are. Exactly. That's, that's something that a lot of, a lot of people don't understand. And and that's why I say it's work, right? Because when you say, I want to learn from you, I'm going to pour all of my effort into teaching and educating you. And it's, that is an exhausting process to start from scratch with someone, you know, and I, and I absolutely respect why in mainstream kink, you find people that are like, oh, I don't like inexperienced problems or I don't like inexperienced problems. I respect oh. I understand. We're losing you. When you talk about mentoring, you know, and, and mentoring someone in leather, kink is a small component of it. You know, we're, teaching you how to behave, we're teaching you how to represent, we're teaching you how to, you know, have a sense of decorum. No, absolutely. Unfortunately, I'm going to ask you to double check and repeat that. Make sure that you're working now because you were cutting out a bit. I don't want people to lose the message. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think that it's something that gets better with time as people dive into it. Oh, it definitely is. And I think that's X actually brings up an excellent point about, you know, a lot of people assume bottom and top because of the sexual and kinky side of things, which is totally valid because that is the kink side of things and where most people even meet leather, much less anyone else. And that's another important distinction is top and bottom 
is very much the way leather breaks it down. They don't worry about master slave and all of that unless it's amongst those people later. Mm-hmm. Those are separate entities because it wasn't automatically the nature of leather, especially back when it was solely gay leather. Yeah. It wasn't immediately a sexual relationship just because you were my bottom or I was your top. It was a leather relationship first. And anything that happened after that was a bonus that just happened because of the intimacy of what you were doing already. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't automatic. And it still isn't today. So almost everyone I've ever mentored, it has never been a, a partnership in that regard in an intimate level sexually. It well, just but hasn't. it shouldn't be. No, because that's not the point. I I think to me that becomes predatory. If somebody approaches you because they want to service you, that's different. But when you're using leather to basically groom people to serve you. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's just, God, that's fucking creepy. But I mean, not to say that it doesn't happen. (laughs) Well, because I mean, we all know, we, we've all seen it. No, but I mean, it's definitely, you know, I think that's why in leather you see sex taken out of the equation most yes. often, especially initially, because it, it clouds your judgment. And I know, again, that is something that's different between gay and straight leather. And I know it's, it, again, is not universal, right? right. No, Because there's a lot of people, when you're taught to serve as a household, you're taught to fully serve a household. Um, yeah. And that does include sexuality, regardless Absolutely. of how you So yeah, it's definitely, that's definitely an interesting one, I think. I think it's an important one too, because it's still mm-hmm. true today. And in this in this day and age, kink as a community has changed dramatically for a variety of reasons that have nothing to do with us as a culture too. Yeah. But yeah. we've been around it just as much as everyone else has. So it still counts. Like we don't get to ignore mm-hmm. it just because we're not directly involved in all of it. Um, I think the biggest part of that is that we as an, as an entity, as a leather entity, we're always, most of us, not everybody, it goes back to nothing is universal. Sure. But predominantly, our focus was always non-sexual because when we get into the sexual side of who we are, oh, God help you. <laughs> That's the very nature well, of leather is this very deep, intense, emotional, hyper-sexual thing. Leather sex is a byword for a reason. Le- leather sex is radically different from any other type of sex yes radically radically different because it's not about what i'm you know it's not about the sex itself it's about everything that goes with it and the intensity have a spot b yep (laughs) it's very much what it is it's getting the job done in the most intense way possible for both of you and it should be i mean it's right i'm sorry when you walk away from a leather session you should be so thoroughly drained and brain dead like, that's the whole reason why we do what we do. Well, yes, exactly. And it's it's something I find funny in this day and age where people, I mean, granted, I'm, you know, no longer a younger man by any stretch of the imagination. Um, not that I'm like old and gray either, that. but I find it funny because my sexual appetites, and as a leather person, it's a great example, don't run the tradition anymore. I don't immediately get Randy like some men do. On the site of like naked bodies or Pornhub or whatever else. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that by any stretch. Let me make that very clear. Your sexuality is yours. I don't care what gets you going. That's your business. And I'm totally down for it. 
But Just for me personally, that way you pick the time. My motor going requires a little bit more, whether it's because you're my submissive and there's other intents there, or we're going to have a nasty scene first, or I'm going to treat you like dirt <laughs> first, any number of those things. Uh-huh. But the act itself is not a motor goer by itself anymore in my life. Right. It's the byproduct of already getting there somehow. And I think that's an important one because I've had partners who don't understand that. Mm. And it's like, I'm. you need to understand this isn't about you. You know, if I don't immediately get excited the same way you're used to, it's because I'm wired a little differently because this is where my jam is. And if it's not part of yours, you need to understand that because I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to get you to recognize it's not what you did or didn't do. I just tell people I'm broken so they don't aim me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, as a as a guy, it's a little easier for me to get people to stay away <laughs> than it is for you. So <laughs> it yes, tends to simplify the help. process. No, they don't. I know. You you have the double entendre of being both a woman in leather from, you know, before <laughs> today. In addition to just being a woman and then being yeah. kinky. And all three of those things are separate challenges that all roll together <laughs> but it, it's and i true, totally though. respect that <laughs> thank you oh thank you i appreciate that but it, it's it's i will say extremely hard when you when you first come into kink if you're lucky enough to come in as a young person everything's bright and shiny new sexy you can keep up with it you know those late nights at the dungeon allow you to stay up till four o'clock in the morning and go to work right after right and then you know a couple of years in, you realize, fuck, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and now you're yeah. starting to drill down into what being kinky means to you. And then, you know, hopefully from that, you you branch into leather. You know, I I do prefer people to have some community experience before they start engaging with leather folk, just so that there's some commonality and language. But I agree. When you come into it, I think later in life, you still go through that shiny period, right? Everybody still goes through a bit oh, of crazy. Yeah. There's no way around it, but then no, because it's new for them regardless. It is, and and rightfully so. It should be like it should always be exciting and not stagnant. But the difference is, you've got the seasoning of life to help you understand yes. what matters. And I I find that older people that come into kink, and and I will put myself in that category. So the forty and up crowd, right? I'll say older because we're ancient, <laughs> right? But when there's something that happens after 35, you know, when you've got life experience, family experience, work experience, and all those things in your head, and then you come into kink, and then you come into leather. Yeah. To me, yeah. I, I feel like they definitely have more dedication to learning. Not to say that young people can't, but it's, it's different. You know, the dedication is different. They're willing to, to donate the time. They understand the value of these friendships and the value of being mentored in a completely different way. And so that makes you value sex in a completely different way. It does. You know, because it's more about the intimacy than it ever was. Absolutely. And typically as you get older, the intimacy matters more than just getting your rocks off. Oh God. You know, I I can force any guy to have an orgasm, you know, bend over. I'll show you what an orgasm, what, you know, just ejaculation is like. (laughs) If you just want a mechanical functionally output, we can do plenty of that all day long. Yeah. I I got you. That's that simple. But I want you to have an experience that when you walk away, you're mind blown. Right. 
there's a reason I've got a patch on my vest that says Soul Snatcher. <laughs> like that's, you know, but that's what it is. You know, it's and you don't cultivate that kind of skill and you don't cultivate that type of mentality from engaging in pickup play. No, not at all. I mean, it's just not what you can do. It's one of the things I always found fascinating is the number of times over the years I have walked into any event and I have watched a dom give anyone, a bottom or a submissive, whatever their particulars with that particular lady. And I say mm-hmm. lady because specifically with more on the feminine side than the male side, the right. number of times I have watched a prostate massage <laughs> and seen the results and the way their world changes at the first one, the very first time, and their whole world just got opened up like an oyster. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, dear God, what is this? It's like, yeah, <laughs> this is where you really are. Welcome to leather sex, my friend. You had exactly. no idea, but your eyes are open now. <laughs> and it's not like people need to understand. It's not because we think we're better than everyone else. It's not like that at all. It's just different. It's not at all. It's, it's you're, just a different you know, if your particular thing is, oh, they got 100 orgasms today or – you know, blood was spilled or whatever your particular outlets work for you are perfectly valid and there's nothing wrong with them either. And to those people, they're probably every bit as ecstatic. Mm-hmm. And that's how it should be. But that's, we live at that plane on a regular basis on purpose. Yeah. Because anybody can just go through the motions. And going through the motions has its own joy. Don't get me wrong. Physically, it's still <laughs> enjoyable. But if that's I'm not mentally keyed in, it's not uh-huh. going to have the same effect on me, and therefore my own functionality is going to be a little different. But that's I how find, I'm wired. I know with me personally, I have found, and I'm sure you have too, that as as you continue in this lifestyle and as you continue building, things get edgier and edgier. And it's yes. not so much that you're bored. It's and it's it is kind of searching for that next high because we're all adrenaline junkies at our core. But yeah. I think you you start getting inoculated to what you're seeing and you start getting inoculated to the experiences. And so you end up not so much looking for the next best scene, but it's like you want to keep building on it. So like it used yes. to be you know, getting flogged was exciting because you were like, holy shit, somebody touched me. I got flogged. This is sexy. I can you know stand on this cross and wiggle my ass a little bit, make a show. This is great. Right, And then somewhere along the line, you figure out if I combine flogging with whipping or if I combine flogging with, you know, fire cupping or something like that to get the skin more sensitized. Well, now we're building something. And now you've taken a 30 minute demo into an hour and a half long scene. Right. That leaves jello. And then you realize, you know, a year or so after that, I'm no longer okay with just whipping and fire cupping and flogging. Now I want to start needles. Or, you know, and people just start building different skills and they start oh, building yeah. different experiences. And then lo and behold, you're like us and you're salty as shit because you've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> and you realize, you realize it's like, unless the blood flows, I can't get wet. No, that's, that's not wrong. It's really not wrong. And it's, I was like that at an early age. Like, ironically enough, I did the opposite. And that's why I say I'm wired differently because... In my early stages, like my very first year teak parties and whatnot, I was still attending private functions beyond that because for me, bloodletting was already part of the process. 
Yeah. It wasn't until much later, like today, like now I found myself a leather daddy and I've never expected to be that my entire life because I never expected to take that particular end of the pool. But here I am. Gotcha. And it's a totally different thing because I found that the intimacy parts of it, the the closeness parts of it, less so than the sexual parts of it, are the things I end up craving more now. Because the other parts I've been getting for my whole life and I've always been that way. So I already had those elements because I was wired that way from an early age. Like I didn't have any choice about it. It's like, well, if I'm not cutting you, I'm not having fun. <laughs> Which was unusual. Don't get me wrong. That was very abnormal for a young man of 20 years old. You know, where everything lights your fire. And it just well, didn't light mine. Killer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we go back and forth about, you know, sadism is just psychopathy without the lack of a moral compass. I mean. That's true. I am well aware that it's not okay to just randomly cut people just because I enjoy watching blood move. I mean, I have that understanding. Does it mean I don't like it? No. But I enjoy it. (laughs) I'm just not intent on making my own holes for my amusement. I'm not that crazy. (laughs) And I'm never going to be that crazy. I'm not that person who's like one step away from a serial killer, just one bad job. No, I'm not like that. I enjoy what I enjoy because I am not like that. The day that I get... That's the ethics. Right. And the day that my ethics go out the window for any reason is the day I put out my cap and say, you know what? I need to step away. Yeah. But you know what? In 20-something years, it hasn't happened yet. So I think I'm good. (laughs) Well, that's... But that's... Again, I think that's... We're having a house and being a part of a community... Yes. Is, is what keeps you on on that the correct path, shall we say. Right. You know, and not letting you slip over to the dark side. But like, because it, it, I can't tell you how many times people, like I'll get done playing and people are like, oh my God, I could never play like that. You're crazy. I couldn't play like that. It's so oh, yeah. terrifying. And I'm like, you know, it's not like I just picked up a knife one day and was like, hey, you, come here. Let me try something. No, you know, this never. Is, this is years of training and experience. That made it to where a knife in my hand feels like a pencil. Yes. Yes. You know, or an old not, friend, really. It, absolutely. You know, that's why we end up with, you know, the, the favorite implements that we have. Yes. But I mean, but again, that part of that, it's finesse. I, I can't even say it's dedication. It's finesse. Because anybody can be taught to do anything. But finesse is what I think separates good tops and dominance from the average ones. Agreed. I think finesse is what finesse shows skill. Well, I've always equated it like it doesn't matter if it's impacted heavy body play or blood play with knife play or needle play or even just fire cupping or something that doesn't go quite as hard per se. I'm not saying it to take away from anybody's intensity by any stretch, but the very nature of it, you reach a point where the technique and the mechanical skill set only goes so far before you're going to have to do damage either way. Like, you can only be so good with a knife before you're going to cut too deep. And that's where the yeah. level of finesse matters, because now you're taking that, here's where my cap is, this is the threshold that I can't go any further safely, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to play with it just a little bit. Because I'm going to have the recognition that I have to be careful to do that. I need a skill set for yeah. that. And that's above Absolutely. and beyond my knowledge in that play arena already. 
mm-hmm. because you have to have it to play at that level. Oh, so let me ask you another question. Again, <laughs> Shoot. I've had so many great conversations this weekend. So it, that's the, I'm going to preface oh, I'm sure. every question I throw at you. Has been, yeah, it, it's no, been totally. Bring it. Edge play. <laughs> what is your definition of edge play? As it, I have, I, and I will start with this. I have very fucking strong thoughts about this that I have found is not mainstream. So I, I would love to hear your perspective as a fellow leather person. Oh, definitely. Um, I I personally equate edge play on the end of we already play an arena that involves the risk of bodily harm. Even uh-huh. as harmless as a spanking can go into tissue damage if you do it the wrong way. Or you can Absolutely. do damage to the spine or any number of other things. We're not covering that today, but everyone knows roughly what I'm talking about. You can hurt someone even with a simple spanking if you're doing it badly. Flogging, etc., which is the next step up, even more so, of course, because now you're getting into whips and floggers and chains and nine tails and anything uh-huh. that can do rib damage from the back and everything else. There are risks to that. So it's not a case where no risk is involved anywhere else. The difference is I treat edge play as if I can kill you by accident because I sneezed. That, for me, is edge play, where the risk of life and limb is greater. Not because it couldn't happen below that, but it's there and in your face almost instantly. Knife play. Needle play. A needle shoved in the wrong place can make you bleed way differently than in harmless tissue. A knife at the wrong part of the body because you accidentally slipped will absolutely put that person in the hospital and possibly risk their life entirely very quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. Fire can do severe permanent damage you did not ask for. These are at a different scale. And they're a different scale for a reason. And I happen to play in that arena, so I respect that scale. Mm -hmm. But I treat CNC in that same category, if a little differently, because that's more like an umbrella of several different things. More than an an individual item. Yeah. But all of those are in my Edge playbook. Anything where I can actually do not just real damage, but permanent disfiguring or fatal damage very rapidly without trying, even if I know what I'm doing. As opposed to, if I just spank the hell out of you, I'm probably not going to do real damage even if I miss once. Because I have a little more intelligence about where and where and I'm hitting. So that likelihood is much, much smaller. If I'm picking up my knife and I start breaking skin, it takes nothing for that to turn sideways without even meaning to, even if I know what oh, I'm doing. Yeah. And that's 100%. the difference. You can walk away from a bad spanking. Huh. You're not walking well, away if I accidentally cut a thigh open. I mean, hobbling. Eh. Oh, I... <laughs> I, I mean, mean, that goes back to the sadism, least, but that's another story. I mean, <laughs> I say, at least where I play it, somebody's got a fucking stapler. <laughs> I mean, that's valid. We, we have trained professionals. Now, um, now it, so the reason I ask you that, and, and I think you and I are very much aligned in how we view edge plate, because what, what got proposed to me, and, and I do agree with the concept of it. it. I thought it was a good point of view. I just didn't necessarily agree with it. Fair. Is that... Edge play is anything that is edgy for you. So meaning anything that is at your level or exceeding your specific skill set is by proxy edge play. 
because it's edgy to you. And so the risk profile is different for you. So meaning I you know, your that. version of edge play may be different than my version of edge play because you may be more skilled in, we'll say fire, right? You may have more skill set with fire to where you can teach it comfortably. You could mentor somebody on it. Whereas I'm just starting to learn fire cupping. So to me, Ooh, fire yes. cupping would be edge play mm-hmm. because my skill is just not there. No, that's totally valid, and I can appreciate it. Um, I personally you describe edge play the way I do, not because there's anything wrong with that perspective either, because there absolutely is. I won't personally ascribe to it that way for myself, but that's because as goes back to education being a kink for me. I treat all things that I would consider that way as edge play, even if they know, like, I don't think of knife play and think of it as nearly as dangerous as I would needle play even. And I'm fluent in both, mm-hmm. but I still consider them edge play, even though they're well into my arena and have been in some cases for over 20 years. And yeah. I'm much more comfortable with one in a, my knife is my old friend and people need to understand, like, it's like having a child or a pet. It's like having an old friend at my side at all times because I've had it so long. And I still consider it edge play because I can still do permanent disfiguring or fatal damage. Because all it takes is the first human mistake. And they happen even if you've been doing it for 50 years and have right. the expertise of a butcher or a hunter or any number of other finesse level knife using. You can uh-huh. still make mistakes because we are people and life happens. And it only takes the wrong moment for that to turn sideways. And Uh so I understand implicitly when people hear blood play and knife play, and if they don't know any better about it beyond it runs risk, they don't recognize that sensation play is not the same as blood play for knife play. They are two entirely parts, separate parts of it. And one is way more dangerous than the other. Yeah. And that's totally understandable, because if you don't know any better, you don't know any better until you do. Someone Uh has to actually show you the way. It's not – it goes back to what we say about education on the internet for kink in general is just not there. But let's take it back to the topic at hand where it's even more so in leather. Good luck finding good leather information out there at all. Because you even many published, people. Right, because even good yeah. published books have a lot of myths tied into it because they're written by people who either don't know any better or came into it late enough that it's hearsay from people they knew. And the problem well, with writing I... from perspective instead of from experience means you really don't always know all of it. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with speaking about your experiences by any stretch, but it is no. not like a barometer for this goes back to the conversation about covers we had already. Um, and it applies to the hanky code the same way and a number of other things mm-hmm. like investiture or awarding leather, Yeah. which, you know, people hear about earning your leathers and they need to understand, like even our household earning leather wasn't a case where you weren't allowed to wear it. Right. But if you went around wearing leather, you didn't earn someone sooner or later was going to challenge you on it, whether it's from your own house or someone else. And if uh-huh. you were talking like an idiot and you didn't know what you were doing or why you were wearing it, you were right. very quickly going to be treated like an exile. You were very much, a, okay, don't talk to that dude. He's an idiot. Like, because <laughs> you were not respecting the point. 
And it's one thing, again, if you're just a leather fetishist or just like the way it looks, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't speak like you are leather if you're not, just because you like it. That's the distinction. If you're not going to practice the values, if you're not going to walk the walk to go with talking about it, take it for what it is. Enjoy yourself all you want. I'm never going to tell you not to. But don't pretend to be something you aren't. That goes back to impersonation versus imitation. It does. And it I, does. And it's, it's unfortunately important to stress that because a lot of people just assume, oh, I'm leather. Don't talk to that guy unless you've blah, 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 blah. No, you can come up to me all you want. But do so with the same respect I would come to you. Like if, you know, a great example is if I met you in person for the first time, we hadn't had any experience with each other prior to. And if you introduced yourself as Imperatrix, I'm going to start calling you Imperatrix. Not because it's a title, but because it's what you feel you should be recognized as. Mm-hmm. And I will have that respect regardless Absolutely. of everything else because it's about respect. It's not about titling or experience or right. anything else. It's not a hierarchical thing. It's simply respect amongst peers. Well, and, and I will say, like, along that line, the, the only leather item – because I'll dive into it, the whys in a minute – but the only leather item I will never wear is a cap, even, even in play. Like, and, you know, God knows, you know, being female dominant, like, I constantly get <laughs> asked for that, you know, asshole archetype, right? Oh, but, for sure. But, like, I – even in play, I don't tend to wear hats. Because to me, the leather part of me doesn't accept it. It's like, even even for role play, I just can't. That's That to me is a limit that I can't cross, right? No, totally. But, but when it comes to like awarding leather and what that means to each person, um, I don't think people understand that that practice is not universal within the leather community either. Oh, no, exactly. You have, you have the way the gay community presents leather and the meanings behind it. Then you have how houses present leather and the meanings behind that. And they don't yes. always present them in the same order. No. You know, and it's, it's an interesting it's rabbit hole. It's, but it, and it's, it's not a wrong thing, right? It's, no, I think not it's at all. based on the community that you're engaging with. Like for me personally, and I've talked about this in the past, the leather community that I was initially around was horribly fractured and very toxic. Right. Now, there, there were bright beacons in people within that community that I could look up to and learn from. And I did people that I befriended and, you know, that I could learn from in those regards without mentoring, you know, things like that. And so I, I watched what I'll call my community, the community that I identified with and how leather was handed out and presented. And I didn't always agree with it. You know, one thing was universal. It always started with boots. But I saw people get presented with belts. I saw people get presented with vests. I saw people get presented with leather bracers or, um, you know, armbands, things like that. So I I think a lot of people, and and I say that for clarification for anybody listening, because I think a lot of people believe that being gifted leather falls a specific order. And it doesn't. No. There, There is no specific order. It's what matters to you. The, the one thing that I will say that I feel is pretty universal is boots, vest, cap. Yes. You know, and people don't understand a cap. It takes decades to get recognized. Oh, yeah. That's not, that's not a, hey, we saw you came out to a couple picnics and you might have ran for a leather title. So here, we're going to give you a cap. 
Like it's, it's not at all that simple. These are people that have spent 10, 15, if not 20 years before being recognized by their peers yes. as someone of importance and as like a beacon. But you'll see a lot of people wearing boots and vests, you know, and like me personally, that's all I wear is boots and a vest. Right. I don't feel like I need anything the else. unless for I'm lack of a better way sexy. to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't wear pants just because the fuckers are hot. Oh God. They um, are. <laughs> especially when you're playing. Fuck. And I, and I yes. can't do rope wearing pants. Like it's just. And that's, God. there's a reason I don't do chaps. And I, I know a lot of people who will absolutely play with chaps when they're in personal scenes in private spaces. And yeah. I have nothing against it by any stretch, like more power to you, <laughs> sure. but I'm very grateful. It's not a natural part of the package because chaps suck. And I say so I that like solely that, because but... of the heat, not because of a lack of interest. It's that every time I've ever played, it's been at a place where it's been warm most of the time I've been playing. And it's just an unpleasant sensation when there's sweat dripping down the inside of your pants while you're trying to do some. <laughs> well, and that, like, for me, it's, if I'm wearing chaps, then I'm going to wear them like you do a kilt. I mean, let's just be honest. No, totally. But, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but no, I mean, that's, that's the type of play I engage in. If I'm, if I'm, Definitely doing a rope scene or something like that, having to just bend over and tie somebody with all that shit on is just right. not practical. It's, no. it's just not. I'm not. I'm, my body is not built that way. I'm not. I'm not 19 anymore. No, oh. absolutely true as well. And I suspect that's a lot of the reason a lot of older leather people began the way they were is because of the same reasons. It's you know what? This hurts too much. I'm not doing this crap. But there I'm wasn't fucked. a need. Yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's what I mean. Is I think. Like, like for me though, getting back on topic since we squirreled, um, like I, I feel that a lot of people don't understand the dedication that goes into presenting leather and how, how that even came about and why that recognition was important. Um, because I think, and I, and I've seen it happen. I can't even say, I think I've watched it happen. People get so driven. I, I need to earn my boots. I need to earn my boots. Then they get their boots. I need to earn my best. I need to earn this. Instead of saying, I need to educate myself and quit focusing on the trophy. Because they start viewing being gifted leather as trophies. And that, to me, is the toxic part of leather culture. And that's one thing that I've never appreciated. Because I keep seeing people do that. And it's, ugh, it's cringy. Yeah. It's just very cringy. You know, I don't want to earn a vest just because somebody... Somebody's like, here, you hit your next milestone. Here you go. I want to earn a vest because people recognize, you know, you've proven this. No, I agree. And it's, this is where I always find it fascinating because even our household, when I was, when I first started bottoming, they made it very clear early on that earning leather the way they did it was very much inherent to their house. And they made it very clear that it was not, a universal trait. It was not something you would recognize everywhere else you go as a leather person because it would not be a universal scroll, not even close. Mm -hmm. And I needed to understand that because they weren't going to let me go out there and act like I knew what I was about and you couldn't because of this. Mm -hmm. And that's another big myth that's so important is there's very little universal codes in leather that are absolutely recognized at a national level or at a global level. Very, very few. And even then, many of them are colloquial, and it's simply a case where if you go to a community across the country, even across the globe, 
generally speaking, certain things are bought. Like, you know very much about a cover because that's yeah. almost universal anyway. Not because it's been spoken of as universal, but sure. because everybody generally has had the same treatment of it anyway. Yeah. Because that- of the nature of it and the way it works from bottom to top, much like the rest of leather. So it actually makes a lot of sense. Um, but things like adorning your cap or... Uh-huh chains on your pieces or even something as simple as whether you put your accessories on the right or left side is not universal. And that's one of the oldest ones in the book, Uh, you know, debating, you know, left side, right side, whether you're submissive or dominant or the hanky code for that matter. is not universal that way. I can easily pull up, you know, five different locations just in this country alone and get five different series of colors, which might have Uh one or two commonalities. Yeah. Because it's for their area. It's what they've developed for them. Much like the rest of Kink in that regard. And it's not very different in that capacity. It's based on the area and the people in it. Not a universal doctrine that's been like written about and you signed a waiver. Uh, (laughs) Thank God. But. (laughs) No, it's true. And like, so I actually, I was messing with my submissive not that long ago. So we were at a party and. Ribbons were put out so that you could flag if you wanted to. Made it optional for people that didn't wear flags because it was you know, people just getting back into the dungeon space, right? So they weren't sure if flagging would be popular or not within right. that space. No, totally. So I was one of the party organizers, so I'm, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And, you know, she's trying to, to be of service and help me, and I'm just barking orders at everybody. And I finally realized, oh, you know, I, don't, I forgot my typical ways of identifying. So I was like, Hey, go grab me a couple of ribbons. You know how I identify and then come pin it on me. (laughs) And I got the deer in the headlights look for a minute because it was the, Oh fuck. How? Oh yeah. (laughs) And then it was the, Oh fuck. Which side does it go on? And I'm like, you're allowed to ask for help. And so she goes off and she, she grabbed black and gray for me, which is exactly what I wanted and came back and, and, you know, and it was funny because I could see the look on her face. She was like, Aha, I did it. I did the thing. And and I was like, awesome. You picked the right colors. This is great. And then I was like, so which side are you going to pin it on? And that was, she was unsure, even though she knew the right answer. Right. But she doubted herself. And I was like, choose wisely. And she kind of just looked <laughs> me in the face and was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And, and she put great. it on the right, you know, on, on the left side. So it was the correct side. Right. And. <laughs> but it was just so funny because I'm like, you know, here's here's your first real test in a public space because it, that's something that that I've not done with her in a while. Right. And so totally. it was it was funny to watch that. And of course, we're surrounded by other leather folk and they were watching this happen and nobody said a word because they, they know what's happening. They, they knew it was a test. And afterwards, um, one of the other boys that was in attendance walked up and was like, that was so awesome to watch. Not only because of the fear, but the fact that it was positive. It was a positive teaching moment, a positive interaction that was also a little scary. But, you know, they were like, for the people that were watching that didn't know anything about the hanky code, and for the people that were watching that interaction that didn't understand the significance of where it should be pinned, um, I I think it it was just funny. And we got a couple of people throughout the night that would come up and say stuff. So it was cool. No, totally. And that's, it's one of the things I love is that like protocol is a great example and it's something I want to get us back on topic within a minute. But one of the things I love about protocols, besides the obvious ones, 
is when people talk about kinky high protocol specifically, which while yes, its foundation is in leather, it is not a leather specific trait by itself. But there's a difference between it goes back to approaching each other with mutual respect, regardless of station. I don't mm-hmm. expect you in private to know the difference. If you're not sure, I expect you to ask Correct. because I wouldn't know that I'd have to ask. So why wouldn't I expect the same of you mm-hmm. and therefore expect you not to know automatically just because. Right. Which goes back to the same mutuality in a pr- public setting. And this is why mentoring matters, and it goes back to why you mentor someone well enough so that they don't feel look like a schmuck in public. Uh-huh. It's because you make it a point to make sure they understand in public yeah. is different for a reason. So a uh-huh. high-protocol dinner is a consensual confirmation for you and your submissive, and it's something you shouldn't sign up for a high-protocol dinner having not trained your slave well enough. Yeah. And not sat down and then expect them to just behave right. And then if they're confused, they're going to freak out. Yeah. Because they're in a setting where some people are just going to be going about knowing what they're doing. And it's going to look effortless. And it's not that it's effortless. It's that it took practice, a lot of practice. It was Uh not perfect on day one. But you're in the practice space now. You're in the space where it's active. I would not ever agree to that setting with a submissive who was not prepared for it because that's just as wrong of me and disrespectful Uh because why would I assume they just know how to behave? It's too late now. Now you're in public. So either they embarrass you or themselves or both. And it's your fault, not theirs. Whether you like it or not, that's personal accountability. If you didn't take the time to make sure you were comfortable with how they'd perform, you shouldn't have gone. Not, oh, I'm a master, so I should go to this. They just have to suck it up. No, there's no such thing as a crash course for that shit. It makes you both look sloppy. You more so than them. That's not on the fault of the bottom. That's on the fault of the top. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the same kind of thing. Um, And that lets us segue into the, the protocol portion of things, which is... Ironically, protocols are not a kink-related thing in the NFSL. They're almost more like guidelines of everyday life um, for leather, such as the big one that I think a lot of people don't understand is do not touch. And even that's not 100% universal, but it's pretty close. If you went to kindergarten, you should fucking know better. Right. And especially like in this literally day and the age with, taught. with lockdown and COVID and everything where it's become even more so. You ask first. It's not that you can't do it at all. It's that you ask first. Can I look at your such and such? Is it okay if I, can I give you a hug? Can I shake your hand? You ask as a mutual respect for Uh the same reasons you wouldn't touch them without permission. Right. And it's just a respect thing. And it's simple as that. It's respecting each other's body as well as everything else. And their equipment. And it's a pretty basic one. But it's one that I find amusing that so few people honor in this day and age because nobody's teaching it. Nobody's talking about it. And that goes back to the lack of education. Like, I don't fault people at a random local munch that they're not going to know any better because they're not going to know any better. Right. I wouldn't expect them to if I'm not explaining it to them that this is how I am. That's not Uh fair to them, especially if I go to a bloody munch. I'm going to a bunch of randos who literally don't know what they're doing. That's on me. 
that's personal accountability for not, I don't get to be offended when they don't know any better. They're not going to. Well, and the whole point of them being around it is to learn. Right. So why would you be shitty to them in that? Because I, I, again, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you're going to be a gatekeeper at a munch of all things, don't go. That pisses me off. Please, God, don't go. That's just shitty behavior. It's a pet peeve. Yeah. And it goes back to disrespect. And I don't care how many years you've been in practice. You're the idiot. If I went to a munch and I expected people to behave a certain way and get upset when they didn't, that's on me, not them. I'm the moron. Knowing full well where I went and why I went there. (laughs) Well, because that's the whole point of interacting with people in the wild. Mm -hmm. Like, if I didn't want to have to worry about protocol and I didn't want to have to worry about my behavior, I would never go out in public. Right? Oh, for sure. And so the whole point of going to a munch is to find community because either, I mean, let's be honest, you've got your people that are just trying to date, right? not necessarily even play, but just date. And you have people that are just more comfortable associating with kinky folk because they're like-minded and more open-minded, and they may not be kinky themselves. And then you've got other people that are are looking for community, not just play partners. Mm -hmm. And so... Even if it's somebody that's just trying to do kinky dating, my thing is you don't want to exclude them from the community because that's a safety issue. Yeah. You know, you can't protect your community if people keep retreating into their bedrooms and keep retreating into hotels. And, you you know, people we talked before about kinksters are inherently socially awkward. Yes. You know, God, yes. yeah. I, I, even when I'm in my own element <laughs> that's going on in the back of my brain, even if I'm comfortable with the people I'm with. But at the end of the day, a new person who's never been to an event, it's already a scary experience. Yes. And then you add kink to it, especially if you're a neurodivergent kinkster like myself, where I already have social anxiety. Mm-hmm. They have that social anxiety. So the idea of even signing up for a much, much less going is already a difficult challenge. So for them to show up and be shat on for not knowing something. Yeah. You are a discredit to your community if that's what you're doing. Because well, that is the is, opposite of what we should be doing as a communal yeah. whole. And that's not just a leather thing. That's a that's a person thing, really. It's not even kink. It's people. Yeah. It just happens to be in the kink community because we're, we've always been a little differently than the average populace that way. You know, you can go to a knitting circle that has nothing to do with kink and get the same judgment. Like, it's not a universal welcome there either. So no. there's no excuse for us not to. Because if anyone I, understands not being welcome, we do. Well, and, and that's the thing is I've, I've personally, I, I've, been, I've been that person that's inside of a dungeon that, you know, somebody comes to the door and they're like, hey, I want to come in. I'm not sure if I want to come in. And you've got to like almost pep talk them out of their car. Yeah. Because they're so terrified to come into a public play space because it... And it's always, oh, my God, someone might recognize me. Yeah, that could happen. And it might suck. It might not. You don't know. You know, yeah, yeah, you're not sure what you're walking into. There's no way to prepare yourself for that. Honestly. There's no way. (laughs) No, because your first time walking into a lunch, your first time walking into a play space is going to be daunting. There's no way around it. You know, you're stepping into a big, big unknown, depending on the space that you're coming into. You don't know if you're going to be confronted with 150 people or 10. Right. You, know, you don't, you just don't know. And like, like where I live right now, 
there's some munches pre-COVID that were over 100 people. Oh, yeah. And it, it was massive. And so, you know, I would just tell people it's a gigantic gathering. Think of it like a wedding. You're not going to know half of the people there. You know that you're all there for the same reason. Right. So just, just dive in, grab a drink, and walk around. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? But no, 100%. <laughs> right? And so, but my thing is, when people finally get the courage to, to start engaging, why would you shut that down? Even in my bitchiest of moments, I've never shut people like that down because I recognized how it felt to be in their shoes. Right. You know, so it's like, why, why would you make them feel unwelcome and potentially put a bad taste in their mouth about kink or, or even leather? And I, I like, I just, I don't know. To me, it's, it goes beyond gatekeeping. That's just being a dick for, to be a dick. Right. No, and absolutely. they don't even know what you're being a dick about. They don't even recognize that you might be the domliest dom of them all. <laughs> God. You know what I mean, though? It, no, it, I, that's do. What I do. It pisses me off. It's like, they don't know that they stepped into a measuring contest without a tape measure because they didn't know they needed to bring one. Exactly. That's exactly And they shouldn't it. have needed to bring one. No. isn't That's the opposite of the point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's one, like if... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. It's one thing, if I went to a party of people that I know, like if I went to a Minnesota party, and I, a party, not a munch, which is a distinctly different thing, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was there with Woody and God knows whoever else. Um, <laughs> have to include the boy. That Love poor bastard. I mean, we, there's a reason we're still friends somehow, which is weird to me, but he apparently doesn't <laughs> think I'm a terrible person. Go figure. Um, yeah, right. But if I was you. at a party with people who've been going years and years, as opposed to the people who are brand new, mm-hmm. and someone who's got five, six years of experience is just being a dick. Right. I'm going to step aside and I'm going to approach them, not as a public thing, because I'm not going to be disrespectful like that. But I'm going to pull them aside and be like, look, you need to knock your shit off. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Because you should know better. And there's new people here who are looking to people like you to act better because they're still learning how to right and if you can't behave yourself we can talk to the moderators about why you're still here and i don't Uh do that gently and i don't do it to just anyone like i'm not a policer who's just like constantly looking around for excuses to bother people but i have a low tolerance for disrespect in that capacity especially when you get to those levels but at a munch i'm on full bulldog mode I am very careful about, well, it's because at the munch level, I am also just as careful about fuckboys. I'm just care, just as careful about fakes, abusers, because I am not going to let you just because it's a munch come in and take advantage of people either. Right. Any more than my peers, but I'm on watch for both. Right. Because I'm not going to have you come to a munch and intimidate or scare or make someone who doesn't know any different yet, and that's the whole reason they're there, feel like they shouldn't be there. I'm uh-huh. not going to allow you to do that. I'm not going to ruin their community for your sake. If anything, I will put you out to pass your first because you should know better. Oh, yeah. That's more egregious when you should know better. Exactly. Yeah, I don't, and that's I don't not even a leather thing. I mean, it's, it's technically no. a leather thing, but it's not a leather thing. It's a people <laughs> thing. 
it's if I, I well, want this community to be a community, it has to be treated like one. I think it's a leather thing because we are leather, because it's it's hard not to view it through that lens. That's also right very because that that is our optic. That I mean, it's just reality of it. That's our optic, so we are going to view it that way. I I am personally a fan of public shaming for certain things, um, especially when it's shit poor behavior by people who should know better. Oh, if it's because deserved, it, yes, absolutely. Yeah, like I I because I mean I run a munch locally, and we have had people come in and act a fool. And, and in those moments, like, I don't know how to say this without sounding really shitty, but I treat people like puppies because it's like, if you don't fix it right then as the behavior happens, you're not going to correct it because if you let it go, people see you letting it go and think that that was somehow acceptable. Yes. So I am going to smack you on the nose with some newspaper and I may rub your face in it because if I don't. You know, you're now you're undermining the whole group, you know, and the reality is whatever group you wander into, there is going to be a decorum and it's not going to be universal. But you need to know what the rules and parameters are when you step into that space. Right. And so if, if I let somebody get away with that kind of behavior and they're shitty to a newcomer and I don't fix it. One, it's showing the newcomer, hey, you're not really welcome. Kink's not for you. At, at the base level, but then other people start saying, well, she didn't correct that behavior. So maybe we are supposed to kind of be elitist. So when the next new person comes in, they're going to emulate that behavior. And I'm, I'm not going to let yeah. it lie. Oh no, 100%. And that to me is a very different thing. Like when we start I, a munch, there's always a list of rules so yeah. that people who don't know any better, who are coming for the first time, know what the rules are. Guess what? I don't care if you've been in the lifestyle 50 years. If you come to a munch and you treat someone like shit, I'm going to bop you on the nose like a fucking child because you're acting like one. And you don't have an excuse not to know better. But you're amongst people who don't, and you should act like it. And that's different to me. I I don't disagree with the concept of public shaming. I just look at it from a different form of the lens. And it's that I will take the semi, not passive, but polite approach first. Basically like a warning shot. Because I am in a public setting and I'm trying to keep it civil. So it'll be something like, well, we don't really talk like that to other people. And I will give you the chance to correct your behavior once. In a setting where it is clear that you did something you shouldn't have. And I am giving you the platform to fix it while you still can. Because if you do it again, I will absolutely turn to you and rub you like a dog and shit. I mean, you want people to say safe. Right, you know, and that's, that's exactly you can't it. It's teach about integrity. Them if they constantly feel shit on. Right, it is integrity. And I think people forget that it's the integrity of I want you to be comfortable coming back. So if some dipshit, whether he's been around a day, fifty days, a thousand days, is being shitty to newcomers, I'm going to make it very clear that this is not okay and it's not welcome in any capacity. If you are not going yeah. to be a communal member, you can fuck off and not be part of the community. And that is something I am a stickler about. Well, and that that also is a leather thing, is that level of accountability. And that is something that you don't find in other facets of King. No, I'll agree with that. And it's not that you can't find it. It's that frequently it started with someone who's leather more often than not. (laughs) Well, and and I want to make that distinction that being a leather person does not automatically mean that you're kinky. No. And I, and I, I, because you and I, we, I've noticed in our language, we do commingle a lot of, a lot of that. And I want to make that clear because I think a lot of people 
they come into leather by way of BDSM, so they think it, it is universal. No, and they're definitely um, distinct parts. They are, and it's, you know, and, you know, the other thing, too, yeah, being in a DS dynamic doesn't mean that you're kinky. Right. You know, that's extremely true, too. And it also doesn't mean that you're sexual, because that, again, people conflate all of these terms all the time, and they think, oh, well, because you identify as a leather person, all of your dynamics are sexual because they're they're servicing you. So the, the implication is automatically sex, which is not true. Um, you know, my slave and I are a prime example of that. She serves the house. We are not sexual. Um, do we have a great DS? Fuck yeah, we do. Is she of amazing service to the house? 110%. You know, is she of service to the community? When And is she a good representative of the house when we go out in public? 110%. But we don't have sex. Right. And a lot of people can't wrap their head around that because they're like, well, then what is she getting out of it? And I'm like, if your only reward for doing any of this stuff is an orgasm, you're in it for the wrong reason. Well, I wouldn't even say for the wrong reason, but you're probably goal-oriented in a way that is not going to match up with a lot of other people in the same setting, like amongst your own peerage, as it were. If you're out there trying to flog people so you can get one, you're not in it for the same reason that many, many people are. And they're going to pick up on that early, and you're going to find that you are in the casual play space permanently for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Oh, yeah. And there's people that live there happily. Like, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that either. There are people who go for pickup play, and they live there because they don't want to dive into the deep dive end of the pool. And that's right. okay. You're allowed to be that way, too. 100%. But it's one of these things where a lot of people forget that America specifically, and it Europe mm-hmm. developed a little differently, Asia very differently, but sure. American kink history is so tied up with leather that we frequently sure. treat them all together when in fact they are separate entities. Leather yeah. culture began before kink culture in America, but mm-hmm. it came from leather culture because they were the first ones to start making terms for it and describing it in an organizational way. It's not because some dude wasn't beaten on his wife or wife was beaten on her husband somewhere in the back room somewhere, you know, in a private space. That's been going on for centuries everywhere. Right. You know, kink is not an automatically we started in the like 1950s. No, people were wailing on each other in ancient Egypt. We got hieroglyphs to prove it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't organized. It was something that was considered separate, private. You didn't talk about it even amongst your peers, even if you knew that they did it, too. You just didn't. Yeah, you didn't talk about it. It took veterans coming home from World War II who were already homosexual, mm-hmm. who found community in each other because of the things they'd been through. And I'm, yeah. I'm not going to go into the full history thing. That's got to be another episode just because of how long we could talk about it just before we get to my Well, I mean, day. people can do their own research on that one, and that I think they all. should do their own. And we have links in the learning material section, yeah. et cetera, where there there's great sections on FetLife that will at least get you in the right direction. Cause mm-hmm. there's, it's not like we're the only people who know what we're doing. Uh, no, <laughs> no, God, no. You know, this is why we hand people the tools to figure it out because we aren't mm-hmm. the only ones with the tools and you should build Absolutely. your own tool set. And that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is very much a case where inherently leather is not kink and kink mm-hmm. is not BDSM. And it's not because yeah. they don't all roll in the same sectors. But it's really easy, if you don't know any better, to assume they're universally the same thing. And they're simply not. Um, We've glossed over before more than once, and especially anywhere on the server, 
dynamics, power exchanges, are such a small percentage of kink. Very, very tiny. You know, we, we like true. to refer to the noisy minority, because that's exactly yeah. what we are. We are the movers and shakers and the drivers because of what we already are. But the kink community as a whole would quite happily just get handcuffed on their birthday and call it a day. And they're welcome very to that. There's, I don't look down on them. I don't judge it. There's nothing wrong with it. That is the uh-huh. level where they are happy. And you Correct. know what? That's kind of the point. So more power to them. But if you want more, <laughs> come join us. <laughs> the water is very fine. <laughs> the water's quite quite toasty. The frog in the hot water, yeah. But no, I I think I I really dislike one of the things that I've seen, and I and I I don't feel like it's new. But you see people that are like, "Oh, you're just a kingster." Yeah. Oh, no. no. You're, you're somehow like not dedicated enough because you're only kinky, and I'm like. I wish more people were honest when they are just a kinkster, because then I know what category to put you in, and I know how I'm going to interact with you. Right, Instead because I'm not going to... you into something. Right, I'm not going to assume the same values and morals and integrities. Not because no. you don't have your own, but they're not going to be what I would have come to accept from, you know, a master yeah. of the community who's a dominant submissive type is going to treat kink a little differently than someone who just enjoys kink as a top or a bottom. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with either one, but I am going to respect you a little differently, not because it's less respect or more, but equal but different. Because your perspective and values aren't going to be the same as mine. And I don't expect you to. And I think that's a big one too, is respecting protocol and respect. Respect. You know, respect has always been a fucking integrity part of leather for a reason. And it's, it doesn't matter if we agree or not. I'm going to respect your opinion, whether I agree with it or not, first and foremost. And that's a huge one. It goes back to not touching people without permission. It goes back to greeting people on an equal level, regardless of visual designation, if they don't say anything. It's you treat people with respect. End of story. Yeah. Before you do anything else, mm-hmm. and my respect sure? level extends to what level of play or everyday life you have. Yours mm-hmm. may not be a lifestyle like mine is, and I'm okay with that. You don't need to be. I'm not going to treat you any differently. I'm not going to respect you less. If anything, I am going to respect you just as much if you're capable of communicating that you know things differently than I do. Uh-huh. And we can have a conversation about it because it's intelligent conversation. And that's kind of the point. It should be. Right. Because what you learned may not be the same thing I learned. And I can still learn from you just because you didn't uh-huh. spend the last 20 years in dominance and submission with a master and an earned cover or any number of other inherently titled things doesn't mean you don't know anything. And what you learned may be different enough from what I've learned that I can incorporate that into my everyday usage. So to assume you know nothing because you're not at my level or where I'm at is inherently disrespectful, at least. Well, you start you start basically putting labels on people that they don't use. And it's. You have to honor how people identify. Right? Yes, exactly. They they have the right to put the labels on themselves. So if somebody says, hey, listen, I'm kinky, I only, you know, they may be a one-trick pony. I'm kinky and I only like flogging. 
you know what? You go out there and be the best little flogger you could be, and I'm going to support you. Hell yes. Because I appreciate you being upfront that flogging is all you're here for. I appreciate you being upfront that that's your thing, and I'm not going to put parameters on that. And it's not going to change how I view you because what I saw is what I got, right? And I think that's more important than trying to say, well, you're not a true kingster because you also don't like whipping. Or you're not a true kingster because you didn't do fire cupping. Right. So you're really not that kinky. No. And I've seen people do that Ugh. shit. Ugh. And it's, it's so cringy because I'm just like, you know what? They picked a skill and they, they made it their thing. And they're damn good at it. What the hell is wrong with that? No, 100%. And that's... This is where I wish more people understood because it's the way the community has evolved and changed. This is the main reason that they refer to New Guard and Leather, ironically enough, Mm -hmm. all tied together. New Guard was simply a case of people who were Leather who believed that Leather was not something to be gated. In that sense, that it shouldn't matter if you were gay or not. It shouldn't matter if you're a woman. It shouldn't matter if you've served. Mm -hmm. It's about the integrity, respect, honor, honesty, loyalties, the same things you're already practicing. Why can Mm -hmm. they not practice it too? And so I met people, you know, at the turn of, unfortunately, the turn of the century is a word, whether I like it or not. You know, I met people at black, you know, black orchid society parties who were sadists, for example, and that's all they were. They didn't want a dominant submission experience. They didn't want to marry someone. They were looking for a girlfriend. (laughs) They weren't even looking to casual play. And they had their spaces that were personal and they met at places like black orchid specifically because it was a place to safely screen people ethically. Because they were unapologetic about what they were, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I knew I had went drinking with a couple of the guys who were full blown, just pure sadists. And they used to tell me about when they walked into their studio, so to speak, which was more like a soundproofed, you know, drop cloth room, because frequently whatever they did was going to be hardcore. There was a, was they were, room. it's a contract. Even then that was a contract that they signed with a oh, partner yeah. for that session. And it was session mm-hmm. based, not. They didn't even call it a scene. It was simply a session because what they did was between consensual adults and you had your warning sign up front. If you signed this waiver, you knew what you walked into and they would stress reading it to a person. I need you to understand and talk back to me about what you've read so that I know you understand what you're walking into because I am not going to be kind once that signature is signed. And I need you to understand what that means before it starts. They were extremely careful with the way they used their kink. But they were some of the coolest sadists I'd ever met and gave me all kinds of ideas. Because they were ethically practicing and not in the other parts of the community. They weren't leather. They weren't dominant. They weren't any of that. Right, right. But I've also met fl- – I knew a dude uh, who used to go to fetish factory parties down in Lauderdale. And he oh. did Florentine electro whips. You want to talk about finesse and skill. He did. Oh yeah. He wasn't a he wasn't a top in the traditional sense. He didn't care about leather. He didn't want a submissive <laughs> or a slave. He was in it because he enjoyed the shit out of flogging, and he enjoyed the uh, art yeah. of it. 
And so watching this dude with dual electros Uh that were custom created, right? And it was a gorgeous thing to watch, too. It was Uh so goddamn hot. (laughs) And this was his jam. This was his special. And so this go it goes back together with what we were saying in that they are no less part of the community just because they don't fit the same niche I do. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't have to. Because you know what? If I want to get back into Electro, I know who I want to reach out to. Oh, hell yeah. Because he's obviously going to know what the hell he's about. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, on that note... Any final thoughts, Salt Father? Other than the fact that we could easily go on for hours longer, and I think some people would even want us to in some cases. Um. Um, and re- I mean, we're always around for voice chat or whatever. I mean, people know how to reach out. Right. Um, but I mean, just for the purposes of, of, of this podcast, like. Yeah. I, I was, um, like in my head, it sounds like final thoughts with Jack Handy. No, absolutely. Um, I would say, if anything, like anyone who's listening to this podcast, wherever they are, whatever part they found themselves, however they came across it, in server, off server, randomly on the feed because they somehow found it anyway. (laughs) If you want to know more, you know, my not everybody has the luxury of being openly in the lifestyle the way I am where I am very much unfiltered, unregistered, unreserved about who I am, where I am, and the kink as well as everyday life. Mm-hmm. You can get a hold of me easily enough, and there's plenty of ways to do so. It's everywhere. True. Do not hesitate to reach out if you want to ask more, if you want to learn more about leather, if you want to understand the difference. Because Absolutely. I can spend hours talking about leather alone. In a heartbeat. I mean, we have. Right. Oh, God, have we ever. <laughs> It's everyday life. It is. But for someone who... Well, and the nature of the beast is you're going to always have more questions the more you learn. So if you do, if you're listening and you want more, and you want to know more, and you need to know more, and you have a question about anything, please ask. There's no such thing as not asking to me. Education is part of the process, because how can you know if you don't find out? And if I'm not part of the solution, I'm part of the problem. Awesome. Yourself? No, same thing. I'm easily accessible as well. Um, All my social media handles are on this this name as well. So if you look up Imperatrix Knox, I'm probably the only Imperatrix Knox you'll find. Although I have found on FetLife, there are five other Imperatrixes now. So apparently it's getting catchy. Fair. Not trademark. (laughs) I need to to trade. No, totally. But yeah, always happy to answer questions. Always happy to talk about it. And always happy to hear other people's views on it, too. If, even if they don't agree. I like hearing those as well. So if you want to message me and tell me how stupid I am. <laughs> I mean, you may be entering at your own risk at that point, but you're certainly welcome That's to. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, by all means, offer it up. Like, I, I'm kind of curious to hear what other people's thoughts are. Right. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thank those that are coming who have been listening to us for the episode. Thank you, anybody who listens to this later. And that is Leather and Limits signing off on another episode. Thank you all for coming.